So it is, uh, it's awesome to be back. Uh, I've been gone for a couple weeks. We, uh, we take a couple weeks every summer and uh, go to the most humid place in the world, <laughs> known as Florida. And uh, we spend a little bit of time on the coast and, uh, and enjoy just some uh, quiet, uninterrupted time as a family, which is so important for us. It's important for all of us just to take some time every year to get away and and uh, replenish and refresh. It's part of how God wired us is to do that. And so it's always, it's good to get away. Um, but for some reason this time, I, I could not wait to get back. And I am so happy to be back with you. I'm excited to be back with you. And um, it's, it's been a awesome. I've been watching online the series and it's been awesome, the series on the Holy Spirit. I, have, you been, have you been around? Have you been a part of, of the series? And if you haven't, you can jump on. Um, one thing I love about our team is we have some great communicators and preachers who are bringing some, some good words about the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and uh, two, weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago, Lori Prather, our children's pastor, spoke about the Holy Spirit and she brought it, talking about the Holy Spirit's conviction in our lives. And if that didn't convict you, you weren't listening. I'm serious. And, uh, and then last week, Cameron, uh, he, sp- he spoke about the Holy Spirit's calling on all of our lives, which, uh, which I, I love that. Now, I'm pumped for this, this fall. We've been putting together a couple series, and uh, we have a number of churches around the country that are joining us. We, we, we have another journal coming out in a couple months, and uh, we're going to do some fun series together, some good series. In August, we're, we're going to kick off uh, McDowell at the Movies, our movie series that we do every year. It's going to be a great series. And I'm not going to tell you the movies yet. You just have to come and experience it. And we've got some things in store that we've never done in the past before that we're going to try this year. And it could flop and be terrible or it could be awesome. We don't know. And then after the movie series, we're going to start a spiritual formation series built around something that is, is, has gotten a lot of traction in our culture in the last couple years uh, and it's called the Enneagram. Have you heard about the Enneagram? So we've built a spiritual formation series around something that our culture is talking about to help us connect in a way and bring some new meaning to that. And so September, the, the, we're gonna, it's going to be awesome. I'm, pumped. I'm, t- I'm saying everything's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm excited, and our team's been working on it. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit. That's what we're here to talk about today is, is the Holy Spirit. And... Uh, if, if I were to, to walk around this room and with a microphone, you'd be upset at me first, but if I were to say, what, what do you think or what do you know about the Holy Spirit, and I put a microphone in, in front of everybody in this room, my guess is we would have a spectrum of answers on what the Holy Spirit or who the Holy Spirit or, you know, just our view of the Holy Spirit. And, and that's true of the Christian community at large. There's just a spectrum of beliefs about the Holy Spirit. Um, when, I was, when I was in high school, I was a freshman, and my parents uh, were, my, my dad was a pastor, so it was a little bit of a different kind of uh, little season for us. My parents were experiencing some rough times in their marriage. They were going to get a divorce, and so my dad, as the pastor, was announcing that to the church on a Sunday, and they didn't want us, the kids, to be there because it was going to be a painful, tough little thing. And so I asked one of my friends, can I come stay at your house and go to church with you? 
And he said yes. And so I went to his church, and it was the first experience I had ever had. I went to this church, and I knew this other stuff was going on at my church. And we went to this church. In the middle of the service, um, they're praying. The, the pastor's up front praying. And so we have our heads down, bowed. And then all of a sudden, I hear people um, talking, but I don't understand anything that they're saying. And uh, it's, it's referred to as speaking in tongues. And I, I had no idea what was going on. And so I'm, I'm a freshman in high school with my eyes down because my parents have taught me to close your eyes when you pray, but I couldn't help but like start looking around <laughs> at like what is going on here. And I noticed around me that nobody else had the same reaction that I did, like nobody else was wondering what was going on. Every, it was normal to everybody in that. So, so some people have grown up in contexts where the Holy Spirit would, would in in their understanding, would come upon people and things would happen because of that. There was a, there was a, there was a visible experience that took place. Does that, does that make sense? So some people have grown up in those contexts. I grew up in a context in, in my church where we talked about the Holy Spirit and we talked maybe about some of those things being possible, but nobody ever did it. Like I never saw it. I, I never experienced it. And it to be honest, scared me to death when I actually saw something like that happen. Anybody else ever be in a, been in a situation like that? Yeah, some of you are like, I don't know if I want to raise my hand right now, but yes. And so some, there's a spectrum. Some Christian uh, communities believe that there's this outward expression of the Holy Spirit. Other communities believe that the Holy Spirit worked in, in the New Testament in the ways that we read, but that those things don't happen anymore. And, uh, and so there's this whole spectrum of what people believe about the Holy Spirit based on what they read in the Scripture. Isn't that interesting? We read the same Scriptures, but there's a spectrum of beliefs about it. Does that make you scratch your head? It does me. So what are we to believe about the Holy Spirit? What do I believe? What do you believe about the Holy Spirit? And I'm not going to give you a microphone because, again, some of you would be mad at me. Some of you would grab it and go with it, which would be awesome. But here's one thing that... I, I don't want us to miss when it comes to the Holy Spirit, and I want to begin with this. The Holy Spirit is mysterious. There is a mystery to the Holy Spirit. And, and I am, an, in my mind, I like to think of myself in sometimes as an intellectual. I like to figure things out. Any of you like to figure things out and have like a real clean understanding of how things work and you need to know how they work and, and why they work that way and you want to be able to explain every little thing in the perfect way so that you know that you know that you know. Anyone else in the room feel like that? And, and you, here's, the, here's the deal. We, we can't fully grasp the Holy Spirit. I mean, hundreds of years, scholars have been trying to understand this thing the move of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We just can't fully understand it. And I wish, trust me, I wish we could. I wish there was a formula. Like if you do this and you do this and you believe this, then you get this. Wouldn't that be awesome? But we, we don't get that. The, the, the Holy Spirit is, is mysterious, and there's a lot of different angles and pieces and perspectives to it. And so what I want to do today is I want to try to give us a, at least a, a, a foundation framework that Jesus speaks about, because we're Jesus people, right? We are community following who? Jesus. 
Jesus. So I want to focus today on something that Jesus gives us, understanding that there could be some perspectives that, that are wide and varied in this room, knowing that there are some wide and, and uh, perspectives in this room, varied perspectives in this room. I want to give us something that Jesus says and dig into that this morning. Is that, is that okay with you? Can we do that? Just focus on what Jesus said about it. Um, now, Cameron is a scholar. Cameron, our pastor Cameron, you know, who spoke last week. And he loves to talk about Hebrew words and Greek words. And so I'm going to show off too. And um, <laughs> so he said last week, ruach. And you got to spit, right? You got to clear your throat, ruach. And if you're not spitting, you're not doing it right, I think is what he said last week. Um, so Hebrew, the word is ruach, when, when, when the Hebrew writers, so in the Old, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and so when they're speaking of the, the Holy Spirit, the word is ruach. And in the New Testament, so when you get to the book of Matthew and on forward, when it speaks of the Holy Spirit, for the most part, it uses the word pneuma. So can you say ruach with me? Ruach. The people in front of you are wiping their head. <laughs> Thank you for that. And can you say Numa? Numa. Yeah, good, good. Cameron, if he's in the room, I hope you're proud. We did it. Uh, he loves it. Yes, there he is. Um, so the, the, if, you, if you walk out what that is translating, the, the words in the Old Testament, the way that's translated is breath, wind, spirit, the Holy Spirit, God's breath. And when it speaks in the Old Testament of, of God forming humanity, men and women, it, it literally speaks of God forming dust, so taking dirt. This is encouraging for you today. God takes dust and he uses this language of a potter uh, or a sculptor who, who takes this dust and begins to pack it together into a form. And then what gives that dust or dirt life is when God literally breathes his breath his ruach into the dirt. And that, that is what gives life to humanity. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Yeah. So this morning, be encouraged. You're not anything more than dirt all by yourself. <laughs> all right, let's wrap it up. <laughs> no, and, and it's, listen, it's what gives you life, what gives you life and what gives me life and listen, don't miss this. What gives everyone life that, that doesn't even show up on Sunday mornings is God's breath, God's ruach. Isn't that beautiful? And the Hebrews not only understood humanity in this way, but they understood the world in this way. That, that animals, if, if you've been outside lately, what are the kind of animals we see during these seasons? Lizards, mainly, out there. Uh, you see these lizards running around. Why is it that they breathe the way that they do? They move the way that they do. They can live in unbearable te temperatures and they sit on the hottest of rocks, it seems like, if you've been hiking. Like, lizards are weird creatures. But Hebrews, the, the Hebrew people understood lizards and any animal as having breath because of God's ruach. They have life only because of God. God sustains it all. There are only two animals that don't have God's breath in them. Mosquitoes and cats. <laughs> it's biblical. Take it up with God, not me. Where was I? Oh, anyway. Okay, so back uh, to, so, so the concept, the idea, I'm just kidding. Don't email me. Um, 
so, so this concept that, that then is transferred into the New Testament, pneuma, is that, that it's, it's God's spirit that brings life to humanity. And, and we have our breath because God has given us his breath, his life. And I love what Cameron said last week, that sometimes we just need to take a deep breath and remember that God is with us, that his spirit is with us, that we're not, we're not just formed and put together and, and we have these, these medical things that can explain us, but, but there's something deeper to it all. Isn't that beautiful? That's God's breath in you and in me. And the Hebrews, if you go back to the Psalms, they, they also understood that when we die, it's because our breath goes back to God. They had this image that when a person dies, when they breathe their last breath, and a lot of times in movies, um, they, they, they show death by someone breathing out and then it, it's done. Uh, the Hebrews understood that as, 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 as people breathing back to God and their breath returns to God. Isn't that beautiful? And when a baby takes their first breath, it's coming from God. It's this beautiful circle that that we find in scripture. So then Jesus comes. And what's interesting about Jesus, if you, if you go back and look at the, the original languages, Jesus throws a different word into the equation outside of the word pneuma. And I think he does this to give his disciples and eventually us as followers of Jesus some foundation or some grounding, some definition around the Holy Spirit. Now, not, not a perfect picture, not the only picture, but a picture that maybe we can understand him. And so Jesus introduces a word called paraclete. Uh, paraclete uh, literally means uh, comforter, counselor, advocate, helper. It, it's, it's translated in these different ways, but literally it means para which means, in our language, with, para, with, cleat, called, with calling, alongside with a calling. Does that make sense? Are you with me a little bit there? Paraclete. So Jesus uses the word paraclete, giving us a little bit of some framework of, of the Holy Spirit is alongside with a calling to us. And this is what I want to explore and I'll get to where he brings this out with his disciples. Um, have you ever been a child? Anybody ever been a child? <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, I, and I'm serious about this. Who, when you were young, who in this room was extremely fearful of the dark? Anybody, like, just extremely? I'm not going to invite you up on stage, I promise. But anybody fearful of the dark? Yeah, there were a lot of us who were, who, who were scared at some level of the dark. Um, anybody scared of the ocean? Like... I, so we were in Florida for a couple weeks on the, on the coast, and my boys love going out into the ocean. It scares me to death to be in the ocean. You can ask, I'm, I'm not a good swimmer, uh, I, so I can't sing, I can't swim. It's like a, it's like a counseling thing going on here. Um, but, but the ocean scares me because there are animals in there, and we don't belong. Like, we're not one of them. And so it scares me a little bit. And the deeper you get, you know, and my kids just don't care because they just don't know what's under the water. And I try to tell them, and Robin's like, don't tell them that. And I'm like, there are sharks all around us right now. <laughs> don't do that to your kids. Anyway, so I had one, one of my kids uh, who's older now, uh, he, was, he was extremely fearful of the dark. And what do kids do at night when they're, when they're scared? They, they call the parents, right? They, they call out mom or dad. 
And, and so moms and dads, we have this, this line that we're trying to walk between comforting our children in those moments when they need us and helping them become independent and not fearful of what they don't need to be fearful of. Anybody with me on that? Yeah, so you're, you're walking this line. Um, Robin did this so much better than I did. Um, but our kids, you know, for me, our kids were fearful of the dark. So I would go in and, you know, I'd explain to them, um, there is nothing in this room to be afraid of. <laughs> you know, that's, that was my, and I'd walk out and that was it. And Robin would say, go back in there. So I'd go back into the room, you know, and she'd lay down with your, that's your child. So, so I'd lay down for about, you know, two minutes and I would watch their breath, you know, and when their breath started to slow, I played the game where you were like, <laughs> some of you have been parents before. And I'd get on the ground and like, just... you know, you remember that? You remember those days, you know, and you're trying not to wake your child up and you're trying to get out because it's night and you don't want to be, you know, and Robin was so good because she would come in and she would just be with them and she would fall asleep with them. She was such a great mom in those, those years. And, and I was like, but we need them not to, we want them to be independent and not fearful of what they shouldn't be fearful of. Any moms or dad like, like me? Anybody in the room like me? Yes, thank you for admitting that. Um, like we want them to be independent. When Jesus brings up this concept of, of the Holy Spirit, of the paraclete, I think he wants us to understand that we don't have to live independent lives anymore. Like that it's not about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It's not about getting stronger and figuring it out so that you can walk through this world on your own. Like Jesus tells us that God is, his father is sending someone to be called alongside us to walk with us in this life. And the truth is, whether or not you admit it, now we, we, we cover this up all the time as adults. We figured out how to cut it. The, the truth is, all of us are fearful of something in this world. Some of us are fear, fearful of not being good enough. Some of us are fearful of not being loved. And so we do all kinds of things to, to try to make ourselves look in a way that others will love us or accept us. Um, there's all these things that we feel like, like some of us are afraid of being lonely. And we do everything to surround ourselves with people so we don't feel lonely anymore. Even though they're the wrong people, you know. Or, you know and, and, and I think Jesus is, is giving us a picture, you know, that you don't have to be fearful you don't have to be on your own. You don't have to grow up and be independent. And so this is what Jesus says to his disciples. And I think this is what he would want us to know about that Holy Spirit, a foundation. But when the Father sends, and here's where he, here, where, here's where he uses that word. This is in John chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, you want to read it in your, your Bible. When the Father sends the paraclete, and again, this is translated in different versions, different ways, but counselor, comforter, advocate. Uh, there's a number of different ways this is count. Counselor is one that I like because I think uh, 
a, a counselor is one who comes alongside us and gives us perspective and direction and hope and those kind of things. They, they, tell us, they, they tell us the truth that we're messed up, but they give us some ideas of how to get out of our chaos. Um, and he says, that is the Holy Spirit. And he uses pneuma here. So uh, the paraclete and pneuma, same thing. He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. And then Jesus says this, I'm leaving you with a gift peace of heart and mind. Jesus is giving us peace in our heart and in our mind. Now, don't we need a little bit of peace in this world where there are voices just screaming at us from all sides, politically, socially, culturally, all these voices. And Jesus says, I, I can give you something that the world can't give you. I, I can give you something that you're not gonna find in politics or culture or in social circles. Like, I'm gonna give you something different. And here's what I wanna give you. I wanna give you the paraclete, the spirit. And this spirit brings with, with him peace. And this is something the world can't give. And then, like, some of his last words, I think, to his disciples would have been, you know, so don't be troubled or afraid. Oh, those are some good words for us. So don't be troubled or afraid. Now, um, I want to give us some thoughts around this, um, some of my thoughts around this. And, and I think my understanding of the Holy Spirit has changed over the last 10 years, and it's going to continue to change over the next 10 years. So I'm not there. I haven't arrived. I think we're all learning and growing together, and that's okay, right? And we're all, we're, we're all walking, trying to pursue Jesus and figure it out, figure it out as we go. Um, but I think in this, we find some, some grounding and some foundation. And, and here's what I want us to know uh, as a part of that paraclete, that counselor, that comforter, is that, that the Holy Spirit is God's personal presence in and among us. It's God's personal presence in and among us. Now, I, I want to start with just that first line. Uh, his personal presence in and among us. And the Holy Spirit, as, as the biblical author, authors write, write and help us understand and try to give some meaning to it, the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. Any uh, Star Wars fans in the room? Luke. <laughs> use the force, Luke. It's talking about the force, you know, use the force. But the force, in some ways, is a very impersonal force. It's, it's not a personality but when it comes to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, it's not an impersonal force. It's not a force just to be used and leveraged for something. It's God's personal presence. It's God with us. Not alone. Not alone. Not an impersonal force. Um, spectrum of uh, theological understandings of God. There's atheists who believe there is no God in anything, Pantheists over here believes God's in everything. They, they believe God is everywhere, in the rock, in the lizard, in the cactus, God in all things, right? Which way do you think Christianity leans? Well, that's a confusing question. Christianity leans this way. 
that God is everywhere, but He's personal. He's not an impersonal God. He's a God who wants to know us. That's why He sent Jesus. And sometimes we think of the, the, the Spirit in some of our traditions as the Spirit comes upon you to do something in a specific time. And the truth is, that does happen. Like the Spirit does empower certain people at specific times to do something extraordinary. And we read about this sometimes in the, in the New Testament. Uh, the Spirit does empower specific people for extraordinary tasks in specific moments. Don't miss this. But the overwhelming reality is that the Holy Spirit is present and empowering us in everyday, ordinary moments of our lives. The Spirit is with you in everyday, ordinary moments. Raising your children. Moms, have you ever, those stay-at-home moms, have you ever felt like you're all alone in that house and, and you want God to give you something out there like, would the Spirit call me to do something out there? And the truth is, the overwhelming reality in Scripture is, yes, the Holy Spirit does empower people for big tasks and extraordinary things, but, but the Spirit is with us in everyday, ordinary moments of our lives. He's with you in your business. He's with you in your work. And He wants to breathe life into those things. He doesn't just come on you as an impersonal force to do certain things that are big. And, and the second piece of this, uh, this little definition that I tried to put together, even though you can't really define the Holy Spirit. See what I did there? It's kind of confusing. You can't define it. It's mysterious, but I tried to do a definition to help us get some grounding. Um, the second piece of this is the Spirit, who is with us in everyday ordinary moments, enables and empowers us to both live and love as radical kingdom come kind of people. In other words, if the Spirit is with us, do we, do we speak in languages and do these things? Maybe, but one thing I do know that the Spirit does in us is the Spirit moves us to love in a radical way that this world does not see outside of the Spirit's work. Now, let me say that again. If the Spirit is with us, if we, were in, if we are in tune with the Spirit, there may be some, some unexplainable things that happen. That might, that might be the case. We have some pictures of that in Scripture. We have some people who talk about those kind of things. But one thing I do know is that if the Spirit is with us and we're in step with Him, we love other people in radical, kingdom-come kind of ways. And if we don't, then we probably should ask some questions on whether or not we're in step with the Spirit. Because the Spirit is always about love, and it's always giving life and breathing life into those the Spirit comes in contact with. Always. Never a doubt. And I, and I think I said this, um, it enables us and empowers us to live in love. It's radical. It's, it's a life-giving force of love, personal. It's not a nagging voice of fear. And listen, our world needs to experience the life-giving force of love, not the nagging voice of fear. And our MO in the, in, in, in the Christian circles that, that some of us have been a part of, our MO is to be a nagging voice of fear. And we've used it 
to try to talk other people into becoming Christians. If, if, if you don't, you will spend eternity burning in the pits of hell. Why better? You know, you know what I mean? Like the Holy Spirit isn't this nagging. Sometimes we, we picture it as like an angel and a demon on your shoulder, right? And the angel is like this nagging. It's pictured as a nagging voice. Like that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit breathes life and love into us and moves us to love people in radical ways, not scare them into heaven. Like our job isn't to, to like throw hell at people, to scare them. And that's what we tend to do, isn't it? We try to, we, like we, we work with fear. If you don't, Matt, do you believe God loves, like fill in the blank, these people? Absolutely, I believe God loves those people. Do you believe these people can be Christians? Well, if not, we're all in trouble, right? It's not about scaring people into something. It's about showing people a level of love because of the Spirit's activity in our lives that breathes life into them. So we as Christians, I'm, 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 I promise I'm, I'm about done. We as Christians must grow in, in two ways, I think. Our awareness of the Spirit in and among us. We must become more aware. And if I could, like walking out of this series, like closing this series on the Holy Spirit, I would beg us to, to work to become simply more aware of the Spirit in and around us. And then to open ourselves to the Spirit's work and direction in the ways that we think, in the ways that we speak, in the ways that we act. Listen, um, I'll get in trouble for saying this. When, when you bring hate in, in, a, in a way because you've, you've, you're, you're convinced that you're right and they're wrong, when you bring hate with statements that you make to people face-to-face -face or online um, or you just make these bold, like, hateful statements, like, that's not bringing God's spirit and his love and breathing life. There are ways to have those conversations. Absolutely, there are ways to have those conversations. But the ways that we, as followers of Jesus, the ways that we speak, the ways that we think, the ways that we act, like this is the way that God wants to breathe life into the world around us. So we must think about how we do it. Um, one of the Psalms that speaks of the Spirit, uh, that talks about our awareness of the Spirit. I, I wanna, I'm going to wrap up with this, this Psalm. And, um, and then we're going to sing one more song just to give us some time to think and reflect. But David, as he, as he wrote his growing awareness of God and understanding that God was all around him, I think this is a great prayer for us, a great song for us in some ways, a declaration. He says some things like this, O Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. God knows everything about us. Now, some of us don't like that. <laughs> like some of us, that, it causes us to be a little fearful. Like God knows everything. He knows everything. 
He knows everything about you. He knows your thoughts before you even think them. And he still chooses to be with you through his spirit. That's awesome. You know, when I sit down and when I stand up, you know my thoughts before I even think them. You see me when I travel, when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You, you even know what I'm going to say before I say it. You go before me. You follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. By his spirit, God, God places his hand of blessing on your head. And then he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. And then he uses that ruach word. I can never escape from your ruach. I can never escape from your spirit. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me. Your strength will support me. I ask the darkness to hide me because I don't want God to know everything that I'm doing. That's not in here. I just, like, that was my added. (laughs) I ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from God. Even in darkness, I can't hide. To you, the night shines as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same to you. And then he goes through this. You've made all the delicate inner parts of me. It's like this growing awareness that God, he knows me, he's with me, I can't escape him. Now, that in itself would be good for us to to just rest in, to become more aware of his presence. Tomorrow when you get up, God is with you. When you get into your car, God is with you. When you yell at the construction on the 101, (laughs) God is with you. When you're so upset about the flames of the sun reaching to Phoenix tomorrow afternoon, God is with you. When you're wondering why your preschooler will not just sit down and read a book because they've been up since 5 a.m., God is with you. When you're at work and you can't make another sale and you want to and you need to and your job is dependent upon it, God is with you. He's with you in your thoughts. He's with you in your words. He's with you in your actions. David, at the end of this, Psalm 139, he ends with this, search me, Oh God, and know my heart. Well, David, you just said he knows everything about you. Why are you asking him now to search you? Because David's not just becoming aware of God, he's opening himself to God. He's opening himself to the Spirit of God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. Now, that's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, be honest. Do you really want God to point out in you what offends him? No. But that's part of what it means to be open to the Spirit. Point out anything in me that offends you. 
and then lead me. So, so David is asking the Spirit to lead him along the path of everlasting life. And that's the work of the Spirit. To work in us, to bring up, bubble to the surface things that aren't in step with the Spirit and then lead us ways of life and love. Isn't that a beautiful picture of the paraclete? The one who's called to be with us, alongside us in our life. Uh, Would you stand with me? And uh, let's just sing one last song together as we wrap up. God, you are good, and um, so often we think of you as being so far away, and that maybe you did something in the past, but that you've been silent for so long. But the truth is you're with us. Your spirit's with us. So I pray that we would become more aware of the the spirit that is with us and, and that we would open ourselves to your work to keep us in step with you. In Jesus' name.